Blog Talk Radio. This could be a very busy uh, few months here, it seems like. Uh, I think you pointed out on your Twitter feed, only only one week here, uh, late in March, uh, do we get a little bit of a break. It's been it's been kind of brutal, actually. Uh, luckily, that, that Showbox card last weekend was a, a bit of a breath of fresh air. Uh, but, but here we go. This is a real good matchup here, Errol Spence versus uh, Lamont Peterson. Happy Monday. Yes, if you want to call in, start dialing up this number, 347 215 Seven five nine eight, and yes, the president is on the queue. If you want to join him on Twitter, you could do so at Steve UC and Live, and at Gabriel underscore Montoya. And joining us at the top of the second hour, Jim Boone of KO Tickets, giving us the rundown on the ticket market for the next several weeks and months in the world of boxing. But let's get started with round number one. It's showtime. From the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, your main event for the IBF welterweight title, Errol Spence takes on Lamont Peterson, and we kick things off with the IBF lightweight champion, Robert Easter, taking on Javier Fortuna. Gabe, we all know Spence might be one of the best fighters in the world, a marquee young talent and a blue-chip welterweight, but only fought once last year, but that's balanced off by the fact that Lamont Peterson he only fought once last year, and in fact, since the beginning of 2015, he's only performed three or four times. Don't think there's a real advantage there. But if Errol Spence is this elite fighter that we all forecast him to be, it's not if he beats Lamont Peterson, it's how he does so, isn't it? No question. They should have called this promotion Groundhog Day. Uh, it's the annual sighting of both of these guys. Uh, you know, will Lamont Peterson, you know, facing a big puncher, uh, much the way he did against, you know, Lucas Matisse, will he have a ground dog day and get blown out? Uh, and, and for Errol Spence, you know, is he going to be just like the other 147 champions content to, you know, in the Al Heyman universe, that is, content to just rack up title defenses that he's, you know, in, against fighters that he's supposed to beat? Or is he that special guy, the, the next Tito, the next uh, most dangerous man at 147, who brings excitement and brings the action, doesn't just uh, you know, bring pay-per-view numbers like Floyd did? Uh, I think Spence is that guy. I think he stops Lamont Peterson. Uh, I, don't, I don't think the uh, activity is going to matter in this fight as much for Spence. He's a younger guy. I know he's a gym rat. He stays busy. Lamont Peterson is that guy, too, but he's getting uh, a little bit on in years. Uh, not exactly old, but uh, at his age, I just don't see how activity uh, is going to do him any good, or inactivity, rather. Uh, I'm looking for Spence uh, 
who I think is a special fighter, uh, to stop Lamont Peterson sometime around six or eight rounds, just break him down and get him out. Yeah, if Lamont Peterson could move a little bit more, it's not really his style to skate around the ring. He should be relatively easy for Spence, who is certainly a highly skilled heavy-handed southpaw, to fight uh, to find inside that ring. Uh, I, I don't know if ring rust is really going to be a factor here, given the fact that it's equal, but you hope that the 2018 campaign for El- Errol Spence has at least two, if not three, performances in the upcoming 12 months. Should be an interesting battle. Let's see, Lamont Peterson, outside of one fight against Lucas Matisse, where he was clipped early, has generally, generally been very, very durable and solid in there. So mm-hmm. if Spence is able to get him out of there in the mid-rounds the way you forecast, I, I think that is certainly a feather in the cap from the young man from the Lone Star State. Gabe, Robert Easter thought that he might be facing Mikey Garcia in a lightweight unification scrap. Instead, he's taking on Javier Fortuna. Gabe, I think it's very simple. Easter is much bigger, much taller, much rangier. He's the real lightweight. And Fortuna's been shinny. Uh, I like Easter all day, and I like him pretty much in dominant fashion here. No question. Uh, you know, his name may be Fortuna. That doesn't mean it's, it's Fortuna. Uh, I, I think you know this matchup doesn't favor him at all. Uh, Robert Easter is a big man. He knows how to fight big. Um, I, I think he just uses those attributes in this fight. Use that long stick. Let the fight come to him uh, because Fortuna is an aggressive fighter. Um, a little bit shifty, but you know, I, I think because he knows he's, he's climbing uphill here, he's going to be uh, more aggressive than usual and, and be looking for that kind of you know knockdown or, or stoppage kind of win. Uh, but you know, his punching frame can get a little wide, particularly if he gets rattled. Uh, and so I, I think there's just a lot of holes to his game. And I, I think Easter, you know, could at least knock him down, if not get him out of there later. He's he's the bigger man here. Uh, and similar to the way I think of Lamont Peterson, Errol Spence is a real. 147-pounder, I don't think of Lamont Peterson as that. Yeah. Uh, Going back to Fortuna, the one thing I've noticed about him, at his best, he was always very good and explosive coming right out of the gate. But but as the fights go on, he loses inches off his fastball. That steam engine is not nearly uh, as productive in the second half of fights as it is in the first. And Robert Easter is a tall, wiry puncher. Comes right down the middle good skills, and uh, I don't look at Fortuna being anywhere near the type of world win in terms of activity as, let's say, a Denis Shafikov. So uh, I expect Easter here to win this fight. Gabe, looking at ahead here, this is what I call the uh, March of Ides in boxing. Some interesting stuff that is being announced, formalized, and finalized, and this is now basically on the schedule, all three bouts. March 3rd for the WBC heavyweight title, Deontay Wilder takes on Louis Ortiz. I believe this will be at the Barclays Center on Showtime. Then it was announced Friday, March 10th, Oscar Valdez, Scott Quigg. It was signed, sealed, and delivered and announced by Top Rank and ESPN. This will be at the StubHub Center, Carson, California, on ESPN. Then I think there was a press conference early this week from Matchroom Sports and that will make this official. March 31st, uh, somewhere, uh, I believe, in Europe, there will be heavyweight unification. Anthony Joshua taking on Joshua Parker. I-, I think it's hard to complain about any of these matchups that I just listed here, Gabe. No, it's a, it's a great slate. 
uh, that's a hell of a birthday present to me from Joshua and Parker from from uh, you know Matchroom. Uh, I love that fight. I, I think you know Joshua is going to get tested. Um, his his uh, we're going to find out about Joshua Parker at the top level. Uh, I think he kind of falls all apart in the second half of the fight if if uh, Joshua's stamina holds up. And still in the Klitschko fight, he can be hurt and come back. Uh, and still do a lot of damage. So, uh, you know, I like I like Joshua in this, but huge fight. Uh, March just looks uh, like a beautiful man. Uh, Valdez versus Quig, uh, that whole card is rounding out real nice, but that fight is just unbelievable. I think that's a fight of the year candidate on paper. Uh, both guys will give no quarter. Uh, I think that the, the, the strengths of Quig uh, can exploit some of the weaknesses uh, of, of Valdez, uh, and I, I want to see what Valdez is like against this kind of opponent, this top shelf kind of guy that with excellent boxing skills and experience. Hell of a matchup. Yeah, Oscar Valdez is now pretty much well into his WBO featherweight title run. And let's face it, even though a guy like Genevieve Cervenia ended up being a very tough challenge, he hasn't had that mm-hmm. real standout marquee name. This is the fight that he needs at this moment. And I know in talking to Scott Quigg the last year or so, that Frampton fight and the way he started off so slow and allowed Frampton to build this big first-half lead absolutely haunts him. He can exercise those demons on March 10th when what should be an electric atmosphere. I sense a lot of buzz locally for that card. And you're right, top to bottom, when we're talking about Vences de Leon, Arnold Barboza against the rebounding Mike Reed, Cholo Salcedo was also on that card. Um, to me, I'm already putting that date with a red pen and circling it. The, the come hell or high water, uh, short of me being on my deathbed, uh, I will certainly be there. But the <laughs> thing that I love about that matchup, Gabe, is that Valdez and Quig, and these are two young men that I've spoken to at length, they have an absolute passion for the sport, and they want to be involved in big fights. Uh, I, I really do think from a stylistic standpoint and from a standpoint of temperament and attitude – this is a can't miss. Oh, d- dude, and and yeah, the, the, that fight in terms of uh, just like you said, the, the temperament, the, the the way that both guys go about their work, but the the fight that you mentioned that's on that card, uh, I'm gonna be on, I'm gonna be busy that night. I'm gonna be on stage uh, up here in SF, but uh, I'm, immediately after that show, I'm heading to 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 go watch this fight. Is uh, De Leon versus Vences? That's a crossroads for two tough prospects that are well-schooled guys uh, also give no quarter come forward action styles uh and it's kind of the you know the loser goes back to the gym and and tries to rebuild as a, as a prospect to turn you know the hopes to be a contender the winner that i think becomes something of a contender uh, is really in the hunt uh, i can't really pick a winner in it uh it's just a hell of a fight another fight of the year kind of candidate stub is going to be on fire that night yeah, and Gabe, Anthony Joshua, Joseph Parker, here's what I find interesting. Uh, in talking to Bob Aram, who certainly has a bit of an interest in this fight, given the fact he's the American stateside promoter, he told me on Friday he expects Parker to be in much better shape. Well, when he fought Fury, uh, it was not a very good version of him. I think they realized less is more. I'm interested in seeing how Anthony and Joshua comes in, because I thought he looked a little bit too bulky, almost too muscular, too hulking in his last fight against Carlos Takam. And for Anthony Joshua, this would be another notch on his belt, because if he can now pick up that third belt, he is one step away from being the undisputed, unified heavyweight champion of the world. And you're really looking 
at a career, Gabe. I'm not saying the top ten heavyweight yet. Can you remember a heavyweight that accomplished so much in so little time? Maybe Mike Tyson? Uh, I think that is certainly uh, an apt comparison, but Anthony Joshua is on his way to global domination if he could just keep winning a few fights. And a fight that is tied into this whole heavyweight picture is Deontay Wilder taking on Louis Ortiz. And for all those people that say, well, Louis Ortiz better not blow this fight. We better put this in pencil and not ink. Listen, I hear you. Based on the track record, you're absolutely right. But, Gabe, let's make this very clear. Coming into this fight, Louis Ortiz will probably be the most drug-tested athlete in all of boxing, won't he, (laughs) in the next six, Uh, seven, eight weeks? And and honestly, the guys that keep saying that refrain are ignoring the facts of of the case that he just beat, that he was fined for screwing up, for not signing the – the it's kind of like like Rapgate, you know. He was Margarita was suspended for having a wet foreign substance in his glove, not for plaster of Paris. That wasn't even determined that there was elements of it till way later. And here we have a guy that was fined for not filling out the form. He wasn't fined for the drugs because they turned out to be legal drugs for his blood pressure. And so this uh, this whole theory that it was masking agent or you know he was getting some sort of edge that's all been debunked. And I think the reporters are really doing themselves a disservice, Louis Ortiz a disservice, and anti-doping and VADA a disservice by pushing that false narrative. I don't think anybody needs to worry about the guy. Uh, I do hear that he might be training actually up here in NorCal uh, at the Snack Gym. Well, I'm hearing uh, that's very much a possibility. So we'll get a little up-close uh, personal look at, at uh, Louis Ortiz. And then probably those same people that are uh, living uh, back in the past of, of uh, the suspicion about Ortiz may not look at him working at the snack gym as some sort of stamp of cleanliness, but they're living in the past as well. Uh, it's, yeah. I'm excited to see him. I'm excited for this fight. Uh, I'm not excited that there are two fights in New York on the same night. Uh, I wish boxing would work together and not do shit like that to itself. Yeah, unprecedented. I don't know when the last time New York had two major shows, as you just alluded to there, Gabe, while the Barclays Center has the heavyweight championship on Showtime at the Theater at Madison Square Garden. There is the light heavyweight doubleheader featured by HBO with Sergey Kovalev and Sully B taking on Dmitry Bivol. And by the way, Bivol, my understanding is reading published report, reports, he will be and is enrolled in the VADA program. Gabe, speaking of light heavyweights, uh, I tweeted about this a lot. I'm going to write a commentary piece on this later this week for UCNLive. Eleanor Alvarez, who's the number one contender, pulled out of the WB Perspid to face Oleksandr Gavozik as part of that WBC um, mandate where Badu Jack would get a shot at Adonis Stevenson. Very good matchup. Got to give Stevenson credit. He finally takes on some live, interesting opposition. I've got a couple things to say here, and I don't look at Alvarez as a sympathetic figure or as handlers as someone that should be given any type of sympathy. You've been a mandatory for about two years. You took one step aside, and then I'm hearing you didn't get paid for it, but you've allowed Adonis Stevenson to sit on his title while holding up the other contenders. Then two weeks ago, as the WBC came up with this scenario to bring some clarity and create fights for this title, you agreed to it. That's why they announced it. Now you're pulling out saying, well, we shouldn't have to fight another eliminator, which they really didn't. When they say that they did not step aside more than once, it's a bit of a half-truth from what I'm hearing. Gabe, is there any 
type of case that's realistic for Ilader Alvarez for just sitting on this number one and letting himself or being forced to be a pawn in this game? Well, what's the commonality between all these fighters? Uh, yeah, l- let me point that out. The advisor to Adonis Stevenson is a man by the name of Alan Heyman, who just hmm. happens to be the advisor of Elidar Alvarez. Is the word collusion too strong a word? Well, yeah. I mean, is it, you know, when we say he, he didn't take any money for that step aside, I mean, is that on the record? Is that above the board? Do we know that to be a fact, or is that just the statement given? Uh, because I've yeah. heard of uh, uh, people alleging, and, and not really, I mean, I'm, I'm saying alleging to protect myself, but I've heard from, from fighters or from fight people that payments happen off the books, that maybe mm-hmm. a guy gets this, but he's really getting, you know, double that or, or you know, a significant portion past what, what is being reported. Now, uh, can I prove that? No, but do I trust the sources? Absolutely. So in this case, uh, you know, I'm going to take it with that grain of salt that he didn't get paid for a, uh, one of the step-asides. But isn't an advisor's job to look out for your best interests? And it, it's kind of something that it's, it's got me thinking. Like I, I saw somebody, I think it was on your timeline, talking about, uh, you know, these fighters, I wish they would fight more than once uh, or more than twice a year, you know, like Errol Spence. Uh, and they just don't do it the way they used to. But I think about the way the fighters used to, and they used to do it for peanuts. They do it often, and they end up brain damaged a lot of the time. And now these guys are fighting. You know, and Al Heyman's brother is like a, an ex-fighter, not a, you know, a legend or anything, but like a journeyman guy. Uh, and so I'm wondering if he's like, look, these guys are going to work less, they're going to make more, and they're going to get out of the game having not you know, endured these Castillo corrales like wars or you know uh you know the old school type wars and and leave with their faculties maybe their model we keep judging them on our model for success when that his model is something completely different i'm not saying whether it's good or bad but i think that's the reality that we're living in we have a guy that has a completely different approach to boxing than everybody else in the universe but here as you pointed out this does look like collusion to keep that belt in that universe i to me elder alvarez the fact he didn't get a step aside fee, that doesn't shine a better light on him. I, I no. mean, honestly, I don't think he had a say in this. He was kind of forced to do this like, hey, Elder, this is our plan. You're going to live with it. You'll get a couple of fights. And I, I don't know. Uh, to me, Alexander Gabozic has tried to do everything in his power to earn that number one position. Guys like Joe Smith and more recently Marcus Brown and now Gabozic have said thanks but no thanks. Now he was willing to fight Alvarez. Uh, I believe that the WBC is going to do the right thing here. And again, that, that, that's a, I know it's a sanctioning body. They have a way of, of changing their mind. They should just get the next available, willing and available contender to say, all right, who's going to fight for this position to then fight the winner of Adonis Stevenson, Badu Jack? I think there needs to be an amendment to the rules overall as you look at the big picture, Gabe. Stepping aside sometimes yeah. is for the overall good of the sport. You have to make things convenient. You have to placate other fighters or facilitate other bigger fighters from being able to fight everybody else or, or let more important fights take place. I get it. A lot of fighters have done it. But, Gabe, I've, I've spoken to people that work within sanctioning bodies. They think it needs to be clear now. You get to step aside once, and after that, it's piss or get off the pot. 
Yeah, you're holding everybody else's career up because you're, you know, for whatever reason, you know, I, I would like to know for sure why, the, you know, from Alvarez, like why, how did those conversations take place? Who told you to step aside? Who gave you those options? Like, I, I would love those details uh, because it, it would shine a light. Because, it, you know, like you've said for years that, that the PBC was about monopolizing the sport, like cutting everybody else out and taking it over. And while that seems to have failed, he still has all these fighters. And so in certain divisions, he's got a bit of a, like a deep state monopoly, if you will. Uh, you know, uh, he's, he's, and he's able to kind of control the way things are, are flowing or try to keep a belt in house. Now, he's probably not the first guy to do it. I mean, Don King, uh, I'm sure has done similar things. And, you know, oh, Bob they all Aaron. do it. Yeah, they, they all, all do, do it to a certain degree. Let's not lie. Every single major promoter that knows what they're doing has an alliance slash relationship with this sanctioning body. Okay, but I've never seen a fighter who, in this case being Elder Alvarez, who's been used to a point where he's just being made to wait at number one. Uh, And then you have to understand one thing. If every other single fighter was in that top ten was a PBC Heyman client, I I think he'd be okay. But in this case, the problem is Oleander Gavosik. He's not going to enforce that position with Kovalev yet because he has the same manager. And obviously, Igis Klimas, he wants to separate those two for as long as possible. So those are some of the dynamics at play. Uh, but Eleanor Alvarez, and again, I don't know if this is really his choice, but, you know, fighters should theoretically say, wait a minute, I, I worked my whole life to fight for a title. Winning the title and defending it is where the real money's at. Uh, again, live with your decisions. And he could easily fight Gavozik. And if he beats the nail, then guess what? He's in line. Um, I just have a question. Two weeks ago when the WBC announced this format, I didn't hear any complaints then. In fact, they approved it or they wouldn't have announced it. If you want to call in, 347-215-7598. Let's go to the Twitter timeline. Of course, we start off with the president, Andrew V. Kennedy. Is there any realistic way Golovkin Canelo 2 ends up in New York or Dallas, or is it just foolish to think it will be anywhere but Vegas? Also, has anyone checked on a guy who ran Grigo's Twitter account? Disappeared like he had a warrant or something. Yeah, um, all of Twitter was after him, and, and he just disappeared like he flew into the Bermuda Triangle. And I don't even know if they've even tweeted from that account since the night of December 9th. And, Gabe, I'm realistic. Do I think New York and Dallas will put in significant bids? Yes. But eventually, do I think that Golden Boy wants the home canvas advantage and the safety of Las Vegas? Yes. In other words, same venue, same time, same fight. You think, you know, because, like, Bob Arum – it's who got us in, into the Cowboy Stadium, right? And wasn't he? Was he was first with with Pacquiao yeah. and uh, Margarito? Um, and he did Yankee Stadium. He did that fight with Cotto. Uh, but they were kind of one-offs. We were excited at the time, but it's not like we've come back to those those things. And you've been you've been out there. Would you rather party before and after the fight in Vegas or? Uh, wherever the hell you were staying at uh, in, in Texas. 
You know, the thing about Texas, specifically Arlington, because it's really in Arlington, that stadium. It's not Dallas. Right. Logistically, right. there are issues. Um, the happy hour or the last call is a little bit early. Um, the stadium from the host hotel, which is the Gaylord Hotel, is about 40 minutes away. So logistically, there are issues. But at the same time, you want this to be an event that maximizes the profile of boxing and just by conducting the same cookie-cutter promotion, I'm not so sure you really do that. I've said this from the beginning. If they're up to Tom Loeffler, which in this case it is not, I believe that he would want to go to Dallas or New York. But we saw what happened the last time. There seems to be some built-in advantages for Canelo or any really big marquee fighter in the 702. Here's a question from Peter Escott. What is the 2018 plan for Manny Pacquiao? Ultimately, fighting Crawford at the end of the year um, makes sense for ESPN money and ratings-wise, but it could be a public execution, in my opinion. Yeah, but you know what, Gabe? If he wants to keep milking the public and start and, and fight at a high level and get paid a certain amount, guess what? He's going to have to fight real guys. I mean, yeah. didn't he retire a couple years ago? He could have stuck with that, you know? But, you know, Manny's – when is Manny – you know, he's taken a few – for himself, I mean, Jeff Horn was definitely shading for him, but it ended up being a rough and tumble fight. I, you know, I'd seen not much of Jeff Horn, but he looked he looked like he wasn't going to be like a total pushover. Um, you know, I mean, Manny's always, you know, Tim Bradley uh, has, has been a guy that takes challenges. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up fighting Crawford at the end of the year. And I, I agree with you. Like, if he's if we're going to have to see him, I, I don't want to see him in tune-ups or against some guy that he's going to beat. Uh, I mean, shame on Danny Garcia. Although, you know, I'm really rooting for Brandon Rios in that fight. Just because I think he deserves better than to be fodder for, for Danny Garcia. But, you know, huh. those guys can't hold Manny's jock. You know, with Manny, if he wants to make a certain amount of money, which I'm sure he does, he's not going to work for minimum wage, and he still has a certain market value. If he wanted to do the, hey, I don't care what I get paid for, then he could pick anybody, Flotsam and Jetsam, right? Punch and Judy. But, uh, again, <laughs> if you want to be this seven, eight-figure fighter, that comes with yeah. an expectation. So do I think the Crawford fight in 2018 is a good one for Manny Pacquiao? Of course it isn't. But if he wants to make a certain amount of money, that comes at a price. And the other issue is, Manny, at least for three, four, five years, since the time he got into politics, has turned himself into a part-time prize fighter. Uh, you know, and, and I've never really completely forgiven him for just cashing in with a bad shoulder against Floyd Mayweather. That, that has always left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, and for all the people that blame, that blame Floyd, oh, Floyd was boring uh, when it took two not to tango that night. Uh, I think you are, if you are solely blaming Floyd Mayweather for that desultory bust of the century, you're not being fair because Manny had every bit to do with that non-fight that took place uh, as a guy opposite him. Three four seven two one five seven five and nine eight, and again in 33 minutes, Jim Boone of KO Tickets talks about the upcoming events and if you're going to buy tickets what the strategy should be gabe let's get to the timeline let's get the phone you line clearly, you're uh clearly uh over that cold you had last week um 
before we get to the lines, I just wanted to you know do a little bit of the housekeeping, uh, uh, a weekly reminder uh, that you guys, the, the callers, are the reason we do this show. The next round alone just close 50 a year, uh, two long you know weekly episodes. Uh, feature breaking news, fire predictions, interviews, and, and more. And I, I have a feeling that we're going to do more interviews than, than ever this year. Um, it takes a lot of time and energy to put together the show, and it takes money. So we're hoping that if you like the show, you will do uh, one of two favors for us. Uh, one, it would be incredibly helpful if you take a few moments to review us on iTunes, the podcast app, or wherever you happen to catch this show. Uh, those reviews are essential to our effort to attract advertisers, which brings me to possible favor number two. We have a Patreon account where you can pledge a one-time or monthly amount to the show. Anything and everything helps as you look to, uh, as we look to bring you the very best show we can in 2018. So um, in the second hour, we're going to have our, our top Patreon uh, and just one of the greatest guys in, in boxing, uh, JimKOTickets.com Boone. Uh, so we want to give a shout out to him uh, and to all our Patreons, all 21 of you. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for being a part of the show. And now on with the show. 860, you're live on the next round. Hey, how you guys doing? It's CT. Well, CT, welcome aboard. What's up? Hey, um, I came on a little bit after I think I heard you talking, Steve. Did you say B-Ball is fighting Kovalov? No, no, B-Ball and Kovalov are co-headlining a show March 3rd at the theater at Madison Square Garden on HBO. Oh, okay. Is it... uh... Is it Barrera then versus Bivol, you said? Yes, I mean, only uh, yeah, B versus Dimitri Bivol, yes, for the WBA light heavyweight title. Oh, okay. Yeah, that should be a good fight. Um, I, I'm interested in the, the Spence and Peterson fight this weekend. Um, I think it should be interesting. I, I think, uh, I don't know if you guys agree with me on this, but do you think Peterson could be one of the, if not the, the slickest fighter you think Spence has fought so far in his career? Hmm. Yeah, I do, but you know what's funny? For His style is pretty aggressive, and it's one of, one of the reasons why I've always liked Peterson. He, despite his skills, is a fighter first, and he's not afraid to stick his nose into a pile. He likes to go on the inside and work both hands to the body. I've always enjoyed his work. Only problem is that might actually work against a guy like Spence who can be an absolute buzzsaw. Yeah, I think Peterson's going to show uh, Spence the least amount of respect uh, of any opponent. You know, he's going to come in there and go right mm-hmm. at him, get to his body. Uh, he's going to bang him with his head, maybe his elbow. He, he, uh, slick may not be the word, but rough and tumble, you know, the, the KG veteran. Um, yeah, he's going to show him some veteran tricks, no doubt. But uh, I like Spence. I just like him big in this fight. I think he's going to sneak in shots in between and underneath and uh, and dig around to the, the ribs and, and, and break him down, you know, and push him back, too. If Peterson can't can't bully him, can't push Spence back, can't rattle him, uh, that, that was kind of his shot. We'll know by, like, two or three which way it's going to go. Yeah, uh, I agree. And uh... I think on the way uh, how strong Spence is with his right hook, I think he might be a converted softball. I'm not sure, but he seems like it. Um, no, he's, I, I believe he's a left-hander. Like the, oh, one of the last interviews okay. I did, I'm, I'm pretty sure I asked him if he was, he was really a lefty, and he said, yeah. To, oh, okay. I have to Google that's, it. That's, <laughs> that's actually <laughs> better for him because if he has you know power in both hands, that's really good. Um, yeah, I'm picking Spence in uh, maybe a late-round, ninth, tenth-round stoppage. But I think it should be very competitive until then. Um, uh, the the cold is what's the 
his co-main event? Robert Easter against Javier Fortuna. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, I think um, Easter's probably going to win the decision. Uh, I think he'll hmm. lose his length. And, uh, yeah, what, what do you guys – I need to hear you guys' uh, your take on that. What, you think Fortuna's going to give him a good fight or – no. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I mean, listen, he, Southpaw, he's fairly athletic, but again, I think Easter is a very, is a, what I'd call a plus size, 135 pounder who can punch. And Fortuna, he, he's been shinny in the past. Just keep that in mind. His footwork's sloppy. You know, he kind of gets all over the place. His technique falls apart as his conditioning does. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a problem for him. But, but also, just Easter is just. He knows how to use his stick, you know, uh, and Fortuna's a little wide. So if if it just sticks down to, to to basics, you know, I think Easter can can dominate and then explore a stoppage. Hmm. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the call, guys. Thank you very hey, no much. Problem. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, who's next? Uh, five three zero. You're live on the next round. Good evening, Gabe, Steve. It's our ringside Robert here. Hey, Good, Robert. What's going on? Well, first of all, uh, Steve, you just keep pointing out how Mr. Alan Heyman does business, and it it, uh, it really, uh, uh, I mean, some someday, somehow, so, some way, somebody will pay attention because, I mean, look, uh, I never heard the story, Gabe, that he had a uh, brother that was a fighter, but... Uh, if he thinks he's going to protect his fighters by keeping them inactive, what he's going to do is uh, uh, resources aren't going to be plentiful because they're not going to be as effective. Uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm in my fifties now, and I grew up with fighters constantly fighting. And uh, yeah, is it medically safe? Probably not. But uh, I mean, that that's what I'm used to. I, I can't, I can't get into fighters who only appear on my screen maybe once or twice a year. Um, I, I think it's a terrible way of doing business. And, uh, you know, I ho- you know, Steve, I know you always say belts matter, and of course they do, but the WBC needs to clean this light heavyweight mess up because Adonis Stevenson has basically held that belt hostage, and because of that I think Badu Jack is going to take it away from him. But again, you have to consider even if Badu Jack wins that, fight. Who is he advised by? He's an Al Heyman advised person, too. So He is, uh, but but at least the BC is now clearly mandated. If Gavozic or whoever wins that interim title, mm-hmm. they get next dibs. Okay, there's, there's none of this wait, wait till next year or we're going to take a couple of fights. This is an immediate four-man process that was announced a couple of weeks ago. Keep that in mind, Robbie. Uh, yeah, do you, do you think, Steve, that other sanctioning bodies will will start taking these kind of actions because I, I like the I, I like the fact that they announced it. But to avoid Heyman and other promoters try doing this in the future, do you think other sanctioning bodies will take notice and start taking actions? Um maybe, but but again, let's keep this in mind. It, it seems to be the consensus of other people in the industry. The B C seems to be awfully cozy with Al Heyman. Look, Danny, Danny Garcia, Brandon Rios, is, 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 didn't the WBC sanction that as an interim title fight or an eliminator? Oh it, it doesn't seem to me like, it seems to me they're a bit complicit in this. 
Yeah, uh, no, it, it's, I mean, it's real bad. I mean, if you look at the list of their fights, I mean, you got Danny Garcia, Brandon Rios, you got Victor Ortiz and Devin Alexander, uh, and that, that's a time buy on Fox, for Christ's sakes. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, way, the way this uh, premier boxing champions does business, it makes my skin crawl as a, as a person who does a podcast now on a regular basis and watches this sport on a, on a weekly and routine basis and actually does interviews with people now. It, it, dry, it drives me up the wall that, you know, this sport does this kind of thing to itself. Well, yeah, you know, it is what it is. I don't know what else to say. You yeah. Know? Um, and to clean up the, the, the fact about Al Heyman's, well, not to clean up, to clarify, uh, he had a brother, Bobby Heyman, uh, fought professionally from 69 to 78 and had a record of 21 and 8. In his last fight, he was stopped in three rounds by Sugar Ray Leonard, who was 9 and 0 yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. I, so, I wasn't aware of that. But as far as uh, this weekend's so blame fight. Sugar. Uh, well, no wonder why Sugar Ray has has done cards for him, maybe. But anyway, um, as far as this weekend's fights go, uh, I see utter domination uh, in both circumstances here. Fortuna can't handle Robert Easter. It may go the distance because Robert may decide, you know what, I'm not fighting very often. I need work. So he may take it the distance just for that. And... Uh, uh, Lamont Peterson to me, I respect him. He's he's had a wonderful career, but his best days were at 140. I don't think he can deal with Spence at 147, and I I think it gets stopped just like Gabe, somewhere between maybe the fifth and the eighth round, something like that. And Gabe, I would like to agree with you that Spence is the real deal. I I personally believe that he is. But being in that Al Heyman universe, is he going to be allowed to have the fights to prove that he's as special as we think he is? I just don't know. Keep this in mind, guys. I'm looking at Lamont Peterson's record right now. In 2015, Hmm. he fought Danny Garcia and Felix Diaz. Had no fights in 2016. Last year in February... But David Avanesian didn't fight again, and now he fights Errol Spence. I, I am just bewildered. What happened yeah. to this career? Oh, well, Steve, what yeah. happened to the what happened to the career? He decided to take advice from Al Heyman. See that that's been one of my biggest criticism of of all the fighters who decide, aka Jesse Vargas, to go over on that side of the fence. You get paid well. But you don't have to work. I mean, what kind of career is that? It's not good. It's not good for the sport, and it's not good for the people that buy tickets. Well, no, you know, it's but not. you also have to look at his career trajectory. You know, uh, you had the draw with Victor Ortiz, which a lot of people thought that 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 Peterson wanted. I mean, it was, it, it, I thought it was a draw. Um, uh, but he's had a rough career, and then like you know, when he beat Amir Khan, that whole thing. Uh, you know, Golden Boy, the way he, way he got treated afterwards, trying to make another fight, and then and then they test positive, uh, that kind of derailed his career, and it's been tough. But uh, he's kind of bounced around to a few different places, and and uh, this move to Al Heyman, I mean, I, I think it's strictly you have to look at the paychecks of each of the fighters. Whenever everybody says, why are they happy to only fight twice a year? Well, how much do they get paid? And then you have to think about it. You know, maybe it's a new generation of fighter that only wants to do it this way. 
Uh, maybe so. Uh, and Steve, what do you think about Eddie Hearn signing Amir Khan? I, I found that to be a strange move, considering um, how. It's a part. Listen, maybe they're trying to make the Brook fight. That that's another fight that's probably three years past its expiration date. But yeah, you know, because but the the problem I have with that is, you know, Amir Khan only shows up when he gets paid well enough. I mean, we have. I don't think he's been in the ring since he fought Canelo. So. I don't know what Eddie thinks he's going to get out of him other than the Cal Brook fight, but Cal Brook, if he's going to fight anymore, I think he should go to 154. I, I don't think 147 is the division for him anymore. Yeah, I, listen, I don't know what Amir Khan's worth at this point. Um, you know, <laughs> there, there was some value in him, and now there's even less value in him. Robbie, thank you for the call. 347-215-7598. Gabe, who's next? I wonder. Well, we'll see. You know, uh, the first thing I thought when I saw Amir Khan getting signed by him was like, I wonder uh, how well Khan versus Jacobs will do in Brooklyn. Six five zero, you're live on the next round. Hey, you know, a lot of uh, El Heyman hate, and um, I guess it's understandable. But uh, everybody's to blame. Top rank, uh, the gentleman who just beat uh, Joseph Parker but lost. Andy Ruiz has been MIA for over a year now, since, the, what, December of last year. Um, mm. <clears throat> one of the better heavyweights out there. And, you know, he, he got fucked. You know, you got to admit, he, he, he beat Parker. I thought for sure he won. Uh, although I am biased, but I, I really do. I think he beat him. And, um, so top ranks to blame heard... for Andy Ruiz not coming back to the gym, not, not actually, like, getting – into the process of fighting, you're really blaming well, that on well, top rank I mean, or anybody else. Why not blame Abel Sanchez for uh, putting a, a gun to his head and saying, damn it, you're coming back to the gym? You really think that Andy Ruiz has been in any state to fight uh, post-Parker? Uh, you really believe that? You believe well, he was waiting on the phone? Now, hold on. Let, let me see if you could test your, your honesty here. Okay, so you really believe that he was telling top rank, I'm ready to go right now. When? So you're saying throughout February, then May, then June, then September. He's like, God damn it, here I am. I'm staying in shape. I'm in the gym every day religiously. And damn it, they can't get you. You think that's what really happened, sir? <laughs> well, put. yes or no? Well put. Um, to a certain extent. To a certain really? extent. Really, when literally nobody in Southern California clear, so. did not see him at any gym. Really, you actually believe that? I, I, God, yeah, you know what? You I are do. so right. He's the victim here. He's been wanting to fight. I learned something today. Really. <laughs> Has anybody Sir, heard? This is not the show to know? bring your bullshit on here. This is not the wrong. This is the wrong show to do that. Well. I, I I think well then why why wasn't somebody in his ass why wasn't somebody in his face why wasn't you know have you seen Andy Ruiz do you think he's a committed guy to the sport really you're you're actually last, asking like, fight, you really get the sense fight. that Andy Ruiz every day thinks about boxing you, so you're saying within that shell of a body is Mexican Bernard Hopkins you really believe he's that committed to the craft seeing him fight in his last fight absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So then, why is he never in shape? Except well, round. It seemed like he was in good shape last last December. You got to admit that. Well, when I asked a 
Abel Sanchez. Abel, uh, what's going on with uh, Andy? And he says, oh, we'll be back in a month. And then seven months later, Abel says, ah, I just, he just never came back. So he quit boxing. Well, he certainly took a hiatus. That's depressing. Because that's he almost was telling- like blaming that, – like, it's like with Chris Ariola. At the end of the day, this is on Ariola. It's not on anyone else. Yeah. Well, it's just – I don't know. I, I think, you know – Well, I, I'll say this, you know, great- um, not to interrupt you. Sorry. But, uh, no, you no. know, blaming Al Heyman – it's like, you know, it's right to point out a wrong, you know, and what was going on with that belt, as we were talking about, as Steve really illustrated uh, beautifully, uh, is wrong. And it looks like collusion. But there's so many things across the board that are wrong, like careers that end, like with a guy getting just, you know, pummeled with a record of 21 and 8. There's no retirement for boxers. There's no health care for boxers. There's no pension. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of that. Like, there's so much to be fixed. And people will fixate on one thing. And will fixate on a fighter they don't like or a way a guy does business. I mean, you know, to kind of give side eye when I say, well, they worked twice a year, but they made more than if, you know, other guys that maybe fought three or four times a year. How do you argue with that? If you're an independent contractor or an entertainer, but the flip side of that is, mm-hmm. like Steve's right. you know, you got to be sort of like an actor. If somebody calls me and says, I need you to be, you know, what you look like in the picture, your headshot. And I'm like a hundred pounds past that, but the job starts next week. Like, that's not me yeah. doing my job. That's not their fault. I, That's my fault. I absolutely, I absolutely agree with both you guys that fighters don't fight enough. You know, like if, if, you know, maybe if it was a really brutal fight, but look at Ward. Um, uh, Ward, he fought um, Arsu Gatti what three times in a year or oh, a year and a half, and those are brutal. And I, so th- those days are gone. But I don't think the blame this on Al Heyman is fair because you can you can go to every promotional company and find one of those fighters that fight. Once a year, regardless. And it does seem like, yeah, the PBC, I do feel as though I'm seeing more fights. I do. Uh, and, you know, toe-to-toe Tuesdays are pretty damn good. So, I don't know. Can you I'm name me saying, one that's scheduled for the upcoming calendar, sir? No, I can't. I can't. And maybe maybe wow. the PBC is gone. Maybe it's, maybe no, it's I don't done. think it's gone. I, I think the whole world domination is over. You're seeing more PBC because they have the most amount of fighters. None of them are fighting more than twice a year. And by the way, that, that is a problem with all of boxing. Gennady Golovkin now is that guy, unfortunately. And that's a guy that yeah. people actually want to see. Where the PBC fighters get off light in that criticism is, let's be honest, there's not that many guys you actually see and say, wow, I want to see that again. You just kind of say, we saw him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish Canelo would go back to fighting more than twice a year, but that's, that's, that's what it is now. Uh, Chanello, does he get an appointment uh, or an opponent yet for the, the Ortiz um, Ortiz undercard? Uh, who's this? It, uh, Carmelo or what, uh, the the Houston brothers? Oh, Charlo. The, As of right now, yeah. I think one of them is going. Jermall is going to fight Hugo Centeno. I believe that could be on the March third card at Barclay. As for the other one, I, I'm not really sure. Uh, but again, if Showtime is going to be the sole provider of content or the portal for that group of fighters, unless they do boxing every week, it's going to be hard for them to stay active. And even with ESPN and top rank, um, I, I don't know how many guys are going to actually fight three times a year. I know in theory they're talking about it, but as they say, the proof's in the pudding. 
Thank you for the call. Call again soon. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, who's next? Uh, five one six. You're live on the next round. Hey, it's Evan in Vegas. How y'all doing? Hey, Evan, Evan. what's going on? Hey, I want to talk to you a little bit about the uh, good job on Caressa Shields uh, card from Friday. Uh, two good undercard fights. <laughs> seeing, you know, a lot of people criticizing that people like myself and Steve. Uh, sort of give, give Shields crap, um, including you, Gabe, but, you know, a little Twitter discourse. A little, a little Twitter discourse is, is always healthy. Um, I think so. You know, but, but my thing is, you know, I, I, I think boxing, you know, I think Ronda Rousey's had such a monumental effect, um, you know, on the sport, uh, or on, the, on MMA and, and boxing as well, because you see all the American promoters and now Eddie Hearn with Katie Taylor signing uh, women fighters. Um, and my, but my biggest issue with Shield is she's not that good. She was gassed in the third or fourth round of a fight with two-minute rounds, for, for one. And not to knock an IHOP waitress, because listen, everybody has to make a living, but she couldn't knock out an IHOP waitress. Like, <laughs> Does she also like, drive a bus? Yes, she's a, she's a bus driver and an IHOP waitress, and I give credit to her. She's working two jobs, so I'm not making fun of her, but... She's a bus a lot driver of and I have waiting. Yeah, a lot. Of, I mean, Claude Thomas Dorme uh, drove or drives an Uber. So, uh, you know, at least he's out there. Hey, Evan, I just love that Victor tweet Ortiz. someone put up on my timeline where Clarissa says, I want to fight in Cleveland so at LeBron James can see me because he's the greatest at what he does, and I'm the greatest at my thing. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're not that good. You're okay. And then, you know, we, we, talk, about, we talk about star power, and I, in, in a two-minute interview with Christina Hammer, I go, okay, that, that girl's got it. And it's not just, it's not just about uh, who is attractive, necessarily. If Caressa Shields was knocking the crap out of people, she would be building a buzz, and she's not doing that. But my, but my big question, Steve, I don't know if you have any inside knowledge of this, is uh, Golden Boy has women female fighters, Top Rank has Michaela Mayer, Eddie Hearn has Katie Taylor, and even Mayweather Promotions, which you figure might be a natural fit, they have Layla McCarter under their banner. Did any of those promoters, Heyman and throw Heyman in there, go after Clarissa Shields, and why did she ultimately end up signing with uh, uh, Demetrius Salida? That's a great question. I, I, for as good as she might be, I don't think they look at her as marketable or promotable, and I kind of agree with that. And the issue is Clarissa huh. Shields won two gold medals. I'm not going to argue her talent or skills, but right now – that talent pool at that particular weight division in women's boxing is about as shallow as a puddle. Steve, I went I'm on just Box saying Rec. that there's not a lot of talent there. Steve, I went on BoxRec, and so you get maybe plus or minus it because it's not, maybe not 100% accurate. There are 18 female fighters in that division, in that entire Total. At 160, Total. 160 about. Yes, 18. 17 or 18. <laughs> See? So... So, so my issue is it's not that, you know, I, you know, Clifford Shields has shown herself to be immature. Um, and that's not even my biggest issue. It's just she's not very good, at least not Well, yet. Evan, Evan, but my biggest issue medals. is a complete hit. I mean, no, she does. She's, but she has two world titles, Gabe, and she's done it in Gabe, five here's my problem with Clarissa Shields. She has no self-awareness, and she's kind of a hypocrite. She talks about personal issues, always ripping, and then people say, okay, what about uh, your guy Floyd? Well, it ain't my business. Oh, wait a minute. Why are you making personal uh, attacks on Sergey Kovalev. Then, then she actually says about Christine Hamer. Well, I don't get naked in front of the camera to use my body to promote. 
Well, it turned out that she took some of those body cover shots where she's kind of nude. So, and people are saying, oh, what about this? She's just not but that Gabe, smart. Gabe, I, 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 she won two gold medals, and I'm not going to demean her credentials, but let's be frank. Uh, female boxing is in its relative infancy. And is it relative infancy, and she's in a weight class that, as we've seen, the pros is not very deep. And this is not uh, this is not an anti-feminist thing or an anti-female. No, no, I, I agree with you. It's, you know, we've said it, for a while it, that it, the, it, the talent pool is not deep. It's it never has been. Even back in the days is, of Christy Martin and Ed Wolf. Gabe. Yeah, I, I get so, that, but, but I'm not going to take it away from her because I don't have gold medals at the Olympic level. I didn't go 78 and one in the amateurs. You know, I mean, she still had to face people and do that well. And I think that's it's unfair to try to take that away from her because you find her personality to be lacking. I do agree with you on that, Steve, that that, uh, you know, she's inconsistent. But what 22 year old, uh, you know, isn't kind of impetuous. And and at at that level, you're figuring out fame and all those things. I I don't know. Uh, I I, I, I don't really give a shit one way or the other because I I don't like watching women fight. I didn't even watch the fight. But I, I did watch the coverage, and Corey Erdman, who I, whose opinion I respect, had an interesting article where he interviewed Steve Farhood on Boxing Scene, and they talked about how Salida Promotions had, had moved from New York and now is based in Detroit, which is probably why she signed with them, because they were willing to make a local commitment, and that she's opening the door for a lot of the other fighters that are in his stable, and from that region, fighting out of the Kronk gym, not the one that burned down, but the new Kronk, like... Uh, that absolute killer we saw open the show. Uh, you know, Ergachev. Uh, like that. Yeah. We're, we're Ergachev, I like him. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm not saying – I'm not arguing that she's great to watch. I, I, like I said, I don't even want to watch. I don't like watching women fight. Uh, but, uh, you know, we can't say – and I bet you Jim Boone, who comes on later, as he corrected me a while ago uh, a few shows back when I made a joke about how's that show selling – uh, and we kind of laughed like it wouldn't be doing well because I, I, I have no interest in the sport. And it turned out she's actually a hell of a ticket seller and she might be outgrowing her venue. How many boxers, male or female, do we talk about moving into you know, even bigger venues all the time? It's, it's a very short list. So I'm not going to take any of that away from her. They must think she's promotable because they just did her as a main event on Showbox. I, Listen, she, has the, she has the backing, but... I, my my point is not she, she can sell tickets locally in Detroit. That's not the point, Gabe. The point is, I don't think she's particularly good. It's nothing. If she, you know, the thing with Ronda Rousey was she was she was, was one dimensional. Hell out it was people. an excellent dimension. Yeah, arm bar in the hell out of people. And what happened was when the women talent pool got better, she was exposed. But anyway, guys, that's my Caressa Shields, uh, Caressa Shields soapbox. Uh, but, you're not uh, driving anyway, somewhere. It's really weird, Evan. <laughs> this is the first time you've called. You're not driving somewhere. I, I, I had the day off work today, Gabe. So this, you know, oh. so I, I was a clear, a crystal clear signal. Um, and, and anyway, <laughs> last thing before I go is the uh, Rios uh, Garcia fight at Mandalay Bay. I don't think they've sold a single ticket yet. Um, <laughs> just looking at the, just looking at the seat map. Oh, they're not the at those prices. They're not. Uh, so, just so, bottom line, they're not. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna Simple as that. A last minute call to my man Jim Boone. I'm sure he'll have some, plenty of deals as we get going. But anyway, guys, great show as always, and we'll talk to you Bye. Thank great you very stuff. much. Uh, Gabe, by the way, the Garza-Jesse Hernandez fight, I like Jesse Hernandez. I think he's an all-action fighter, and I think Garza was tougher than a $2 steak. 
<laughs> that was a Gordon Hall special. I, 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 you know, seriously, I watched Showbox all the way up until Clarissa Shields. I just said, no thanks. That's my choice. But I, I enjoyed the hell out of Urgashev, who I believe is the next fighter from that era or that region of the world. It's going to be a real headache. Well, he has some quickness. He gets to point A to point B. Sonny Fredrickson had no idea what he was getting into. That oh much goodness. is obvious. Yeah, he he uh, he's just got stone cold blitzed, you know, and he's got a little bit of James Kirkland to him, that, that kind of high pace, but kind of also like early unrefined Pacquiao to me. That the, when he decided that the oh the left lands, you know, when he realized that he just kind of kept going back to it, and I think he really needs to develop his right hand. He's got nice footwork though, great balance, looks like bull strong uh, for a, a one forty. Uh, that guy's gonna be a problem. Uh, he, he now it's you know you got Regis Progray who I think is incredibly dangerous around those waters and this guy 140 is one of my favorite weight classes just because they uh, you get guys like this uh, he's, he's just somebody that I want to watch and when you go back and do his retrospective Steve it doesn't take long 11 KOs 11 fights uh, awesome stuff. Okay, let's take one more phone call before we get to Booney. All right, uh, two eight one, you're live on the next round. Hey guys, this is Nate from Houston. Nate, what's up? Oh, man, too much. How it goes? Talk to us. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Lamont Peterson and Errol Spence, I just, uh, I think I, I might think it's easier to fight for Spence than what Gabe does. I, I just, I think um, Peterson stands in there. He's happy to stand in there, and that's not going to go well. And and plus, like someone else said, <laughs> he's really from coming from 140, so. I don't know. I could see that one being early, which, I, you know, I just kind of back to them, all these guys not fighting very often, you know, and, and I and I guess if if that's your choice and that's the way you want to do your career, I mean, I suppose, you know, that's fine. That's, that's your business, but you're not going to have much of a, of a career in terms of, you know, legacy and, you know, is this guy really good? You're just never going to find that out. Guys, and, here's the thing. Those guys, if they are happy with that direction, to their career, and they're more than satisfied, and they're like, that's great. I'm not going to argue that. That's their lives. It's their brain cells. It's their health. It's their career. But, and some of them have done this, but when they start looking across the other side of the business and see guys who are more successful because they've made sacrifices in terms of activity, um, they have different handlers or different promoters, when they start saying, wow, white America won't support us because they can't say anything else, that's where I have a big problem. When they start bringing yeah. out the race card, that's where it's completely disingenuous and completely dishonest. Yeah, but because you're also using a different when you're doing when you're pulling that card, you're not pointing to the fact that you chose a different model. Because you look at Golden Boy, who's kind of following, I think, the top rank model. That's where Oscar comes from. Uh, they've come up with a superstar in Canelo and they've developed that guy and they've, they've fought him uh, and got him to this level and maneuvered him to the right fight. He didn't win it against Floyd, but it was a bit of a, a torch carrying thing. He got to go the distance with quote unquote TBE. Um, and, and you look at K2, uh, you know, Tom gets to show with triple G that he isn't just a, you know, uh, an executive who works for the Klitschko brothers. He's a guy that knows how to develop a fighter and turn him into a worldwide brand. Uh, Point to me the guy post Floyd that Al Heyman's done that with. Hmm. 
doesn't exist. Nope. Mm. Nobody, and, and he wasn't the one that did it with Floyd. So. No, yeah, he's I mean, not. It, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is if, if you fight only once a year, you're never going to be a superstar guy, right? I mean, maybe once you get there, you have to get there first. And, you know, I mean, as much as, early, like, early on in his career, I, I like Keith Thurman and really wanted to see how far the guy could go. You know, and he's had injury stuff too, but either way, you know, now it's like I don't even care anymore because he only fights once a year maybe. And so, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I Googled Keith Thurman today, and, like, there's an interview with him and Mark Kreigel that comes up, and it's him sitting on a bench on the beach and Keith's, you know, uh, being himself, his hair down, looks like he's not in really fighting shape, not out of shape. And I'm like, I have no interest in seeing that interview. I want to see the one right right before he's ready to fight somebody. Like, enough of this getting to know the guy. I mean, I, I you know, uh, there's promotion and then there's just like, what the hell? What are you, what are you doing? Like, just little promo ads for the guy. Thurman needs to needs to do something. All of them do. I think Errol Spence gets it, and then he's planted his flag. I think back in December when he did an interview, he said, "I need to fight three times next year." Um, yeah, we'll but he said that a year ago too. They all seem to yeah, be just I remember in the in the about a month or so after he beat Kell Brook, and maybe it's a little bit more time at a lapse. He said, "Oh, I want to have a homecoming fight in Dallas in September." That didn't happen. Yeah. You know. Well, anyway, you, Nate, we gotta get. Oh, just one last thing on promoting. Uh, just there's a clip probably somewhere on my timeline today of Anthony Joshua on a BBC interview show with Tom Hanks and the girl that plays Arya Stark, whose name I don't know. Um, and I'm thinking, why isn't Deontay Wilder on shows like that? But so, Nate, thanks for the call. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, guys. You know. Be associated with greatness, with people like Tom Hanks or Arya Stark. Uh, Jim Boom is on the line. Jim, are you there? Hello. Hello. Mr. Boone, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. Happy yeah, New Year, quickly before we Quickly before we get into it, uh, just to stick with the points you guys are talking about, last week uh, after I listened to the show, I was driving home, listening to the football game, and at the first, end of the first quarter, it was on the radio, they had the uh, governor of Alabama, and they're talking about Alabama football. And the last question asked, they said, besides, you know, besides, uh, you know, the Crimson Tide, what else is going on sports in your state? What sports are going on in big in Alabama right now? And no mention of Wilder, which I find unbelievable. Huh. Said, you know, a, a, the governor of the state, just a perfect opportunity. And they said, well, we got the Senior Bowl coming up in Mobile in uh, in three weeks. No mention of Wilder, which kind of goes back just to the lack of uh, the promotion that he's getting in his in his home state. So, Yeah, and he's had at least two title defenses in Alabama. That, that, that's, that's pretty alarming. Jim, let's get right into this. Uh, Brutal. Really a, uh, a spate of shows coming up here the next couple of weeks. Let's go through them one by one. This weekend at the Barclay Center on Showtime, Spence Peterson, Easter Fortuna headlines. What's the market like for that ticket-wise? Right now, you can get seats, you know, basically not just this show, but everything coming up is by direct to Ticketmaster or the box office. Uh, they price the fight from 57 up to 600 with like 607 with the fees. And, I mean, it's just kind of the typical show there. They do these weird holds. So a lot of the same seats have been sitting there from weeks on end. So if you're a buyer in New York, it's a good card. You can get yourself a good deal, and, you know, you can just go buy direct. 
I think the best seats they have, and they finally released them last week, are the center risers, section 8 or 24. You know, I love sitting in those seats, absolutely perfect view of the ring, and the higher rows are $157. So, I mean, if your budget affords that, that's a great buy, a great seat, and it should be a, it should be a good card. Yeah, and my understanding is from other friends, they're sending out the emails asking about group rates, discounts, uh, service fees being waived. That's never a good sign. Jim, next Saturday I'm going to be out there. It's just a short drive for me. Lenars against Rosito Hesta and Lucas Matisse on HBO. My, my understanding is they haven't sold a lot of tickets for this one, Golden Boy. Well, they have sold some of the $10 tickets that cost you 25 bucks. I've seen some of those disappear. It's, you know, they priced it cheap. Uh, you got to say the last Golden Boy show they did at the Forum, I mean, that was a pathetic effort. They didn't even try on that one. And I understand it was the week after the, you know, the Triple G fight. So the Triple G uh, Canelo fight. So, you know, actually maybe it was a little bit later than that. It might have been two weeks after that. But uh, once again, the fight's priced from, um, well, it's $16 if you buy it direct up to 100 and they got they got really good seats sitting in there. It's um you know listen Lenares and uh, Matisse are two of my favorite fighters without a doubt. So it's just I don't think the matchup caught the public's attention. And as we see time and time again with these fights, it's it's, it's the matchup matters. So once again for the fans, if you just want to go down there, it does actually appear that those ten dollar tickets that cost twenty five are almost sold out. They look like they're a little bit thin. But everything else is just sitting there. You can just go down to the forum, grab some seats, and have a good time. Now, Jim, final question before I kick it over to Gabe. In a situation like this, um, listen, I'm a big fan of Matisse and Linares, but part of my job is to be there regardless. Uh, but they're not fighting, fight, fighting each other, so I get that. Why not just go to a smaller venue? Why go to this big place like the forum for that show? Do you, do you think it's ego, or do you think there was nothing else available? I mean, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, in Los Angeles, there's not really – I mean, what other smaller venue can you use? I know if you scale uh, the form, the lower level only, which they're doing, I believe it's about 6,500. If you look at the far side uh, where the camera shoots from, they're not selling those seats. So they're, they're, they're bringing it down to an appropriate side – excuse me, size. I just – you know, it would be nice if, you know, L.A. kind of had that mid-size venue that held like 4,000 people where you could really pack it in, get the good atmosphere, because, you know, ultimately that, that, that matters too. It's not just the fights. I mean, those drive that, the, the business, but it's, as you see with StubHub, people want to go to the StubHub Center because the, the, the energy and the vibe of the place is just is so phenomenal. Gabe? Um, I'm curious what you think about two different dates. Uh it's Saturday, February 17th. It's kind of the, the Al Heyman blue light special. You got Danny Garcia versus Brandon Rios over in Vegas. And uh, with the, you know, Benavides Gavril uh, rematch on the undercard. And then you got over in El Paso, Texas, Ortiz versus Alexander and Caleb Plant versus Porky Medina. What, what are your thoughts on when a promoter like splits a card like this or, you know, splits a day like this? Uh, how is that for ticket sales? Does it does it hurt or help, uh, you know, uh, ticket sales? I don't sales think it really this? hurts it too much. I mean, the, the venues are far enough apart. I mean, it, it's a biz- – I'll say one thing. As far as the show at Mandalay Bay, I do not know what they thought when they priced it. I mean, typically if we go over the shows that you know, guys have talked about coming up, they're priced very appropriately. It's not like it doesn't make any sense except this show. It makes no sense. 
it's fifty to five hundred with the fees. <laughs> I mean, they have very poor quality three hundred dollar lower level seats. I don't know who they think is going to pay for that ticket. I don't know how they think they're going to get five hundred dollars for back floor ringsides. I mean, I, hmm. I think they're, they're dreaming. And honestly, with that card, I think they should have done like Golden Boys doing with uh, with the Forum. That should definitely be scaled just for the lower level at Mandalay Bay. I mean, they have a $200 upper and they have a $200 lower back-to-back. I mean, why would someone even buy a $200 upper level ticket when you can get a lower level ticket? So if you're a fan that wants to go to that fight, I would do not buy anything. Just wait. Because I know from MGM Corporate I got a call and they're looking for help. I think that thing is really, really struggling. And like I said, I mean, it's tough to sell tickets, but when you price it like this, it is just ridiculous. As far as the show in El Paso, I, I kind of looked at it before the show today, and I was looking at some charts I had from a, <laughs> a couple a couple weeks ago. It actually looks like they're selling some seats down there. They got a price from twenty five to two hundred. You know, there's a lot hmm. of good. You know, I think El Paso is a decent uh, fight town. It's a good little arena. I'm not quite sure why that matchup is there, but you know, it's. I, I think that I think that actually might perform better overall than the, they might get a, a bigger crowd than they do at Mandalay Bay, to be honest. I, I would love Jim. to. See, uh, uh, does somebody track these weird matches like this where guys don't match the region that they're fighting in versus maybe Al Heyman clients that maybe in bands or something playing, going through? Uh, it just uh, There's got to be some sort of reason why this happens. But, Steve, go, go ahead. I, I've never understood it. I mean, if you look at, you know, you guys are talking earlier about the schedule. If you look at, for example, the cards that uh, the top ranks do in the start of the year, every single card makes sense. You know, listen, their, their fight with Ramirez in, in Texas is not selling good. I'm not going to say it is. But it makes sense going down to Corpus Christi. It's a good city. It's a big city down there. It's got fight fans. It's a good market there. You know, then they got Oscar Valdez at Stump Up Center. Well, obviously that makes sense. I mean, that, 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 that's what they're going to do. I mean, that's where his home, his second home is going to be. And then when you look at putting, you know, a card on in New York on St. Paddy's Day, you have a co-feature with a kid from Ireland. I mean, there's a reason for what they're doing. It makes sense. Putting these, the, you know, these cards here, it, it, it's bizarre. Because, you know, that last time when Danny Garcia fought, he, he brought a lot of fans from Philadelphia. A lot of the Puerto Ricans came out late, and they're the ones that really drove that market up. So why wouldn't you kind of stay – why not give him a fight in his backyard or something like that? I think that makes a lot more sense. On top of that, Mandalay Bay is a very, very tough building to sell tickets in now. You know, people haven't forgotten what happened with the shooting – and for fans coming, or just tourists in general, coming to Mandalay Bay, people are not going to the hotel. I know a person that works there. Literally, their room rate is is like the, is the cheapest on the strip now because it's like people want to come to Las Vegas and have a good time. They don't want to, you know, have those thoughts of, of the of the tragedy there. So it's it's going to be a real tough show for them, to say the least. Yeah, and and we saw that firsthand December 9th with the Salido Roman card. There there certainly has been. Uh, an after effect to that horrific shooting that took place several months ago. People Jim Boone from KO. Not going there to hang out. You know, people, it's like people come to Vegas to have fun. They don't want to, you know, it's kind of like you come to Vegas to forget, all, you know, you want to just go out and, and have a good time. And it, it's definitely putting a drag on that property without a doubt. Uh, Jim, as of right now, and I know there's some other shows that are going to be announced very soon that will be certainly big events, but would you say Superfly 2 out of the events that we've known about, has that been the best one? In terms I'm, of the ticket I'm, I'm selling market, more seat, uh, yeah, I'm selling more seats for that than any basically all the other shows combined. Um, I mean, obviously we're still early in the cycle, but um, I mean, right now for the Southern California fans, and there's so many of them, 
they're really getting used to Tom Loeffler putting on good shows. And once again, I mean, besides pricing it correct, you know, and I, and I think it, it's worth saying he is actually the only one of any promoter I know that uh, absorbs the facility fee. So back to the example of, of Golden Boy when they advertise a $10 ticket. It's a $10 ticket. The forum them charges $6, so it's 16 and then Ticketmaster charges 10 which that's just how it works. A $10 ticket becomes 25 Tom is the only guy that actually absorbs the $6 facility fee. So if he says, I have a $30 ticket, if you go to the forum and you buy the ticket, lo and behold, it costs $30. And huh. it listen, people are so sick of getting chipped on stuff that they, you know, it's like, well, let me have the $10 ticket. Well, it's 25 So it, 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 it matters, and I think with the fans, it's a great card. Obviously, that main event is, uh, is unreal in my opinion, and, and we know there's going to be another big fight announcement on it. So you're going to be getting, you know, four really, really good fights. So it's, it's, you know, listen, anybody who went to the first Superfly, and obviously I was there, that was such a great show. I mean, how do you not go to Superfly 2? I mean, how do you not do it? Uh, Jim, March 3rd, uh, New York, New York, literally. Yeah. You got Deontay Wilder, Louis Ortiz at the Barclay Center. <laughs> then you have Kovalev and Bivol against Sully B at the theater. Is this MAD, as they call it, mutually assured destruction? I, I think, well, I mean, what I don't understand about the date is main events announced this a while ago. Why did they wait to go on sale? Literally, the pre-sale for the um, Ortiz-Wilder fight started over the weekend. So that was just announced. They got it up. They got it done. They got it on sale. And now main events is really behind the eight ball. They could have been on sale for the last two weeks and at least moved some um, seats prior to, you know, the big heavyweight fight. I do think that the Ortiz-Wilder fight will do good. I think it's going to be one of those ones that fans, which I recommend to Barclays, like, oh, he's just wait, 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 and see how it shakes out because with that arena, they tend to, you know, they tend to flex prices down. They tend to release better inventory as you get closer to the fight. And I, I think it's going to do pretty good. I mean, the Kovala fight is priced from 50 to 300, I believe. Uh, the Ortiz fight is 50 to 750. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate because I think there are two. You know, if you're a fight fan in New York, those are two fights you want to see. You know, especially Jim, that, 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 the, Go ahead. Jim, March 10th, Quick Valdez at the StubHub Center. Are you going to invest big into that? Do you believe in that event? Absolutely, 100%. I think that's hmm. going to be the first real, real mega sellout of the year. Although, I mean, Superfly might get there with a the third announcement. It just seems that that's, you know, a fight that a lot of people want to see. I've already taken a lot of calls on it. And for fight fans that want to buy tickets, it's a very simple process with Top Rank. Top Rank holds some seats back for their VIPs. They hold some seats back for TV. And then they're selling everything. So if you wait, the only one thing is going to happen. You're going to pay more money or you're going to get a worse location. And if you look at the last monster fight they had with uh, Lomachenko with Rigondeaux, which went absolutely crazy, everything was there. Everything was available. And if the public had about three or four days to buy a seat, pay face value, get a great deal – and if you waited, it, it got very, very expensive just because of the demand. If you want to go to the March 10th fight, don't wait around. I believe they're going to put it on sale later this week. Just buy a ticket because if you wait around, you're going to pay the same for a worse seat. So I think that one's going to do really, really good. Like I said, I'm getting a lot of a lot of calls on that one, people asking. So, Gabe? Um, he actually uh, stole my question. Uh, but, you know, just uh... – Getting to know you kind of, Jim, uh, who's your favorite fighter? Uh, 
favorite fighter. I, I got into the sport back uh, in eighty. What was it? Eighty one or eighty two? Uh, with uh, with um, uh, uh, Tommy Hearns. So that's kind of where it started. Um, my passion for the sport. I went out to actually did a um, an open workout before the Sugar Ray fight. So my dad and I drove out there and we watched the workout. And then they brought a couple of kids who were allowed to go into the ring and do push-ups with them. And I was one of the kids. So that was kind of got me falling in love with the sport. And I remember when he lost to Sugar Ray, just crying for hours. But um, oh, so I'd say uh, Hearns, also uh, Johnny Tapia, just because I lived in Albuquerque for a long time when he was doing his thing there. Unfortunately, a lot of it was marred by him getting in trouble. But uh, seeing uh, Tapia fight in Albuquerque, at the pit, there was just nothing like it as far as the atmosphere. And um, so I'd say those are definitely, you know, two of my favorite fighters. And then since I've been in Vegas doing the ticketing since 99, I've been blessed to see so many fights and so many fighters. It's, I mean, there's just so many of them. But those two, you know, particularly are atop of my list. It's the thing I liked about the uh, the Showbox card this weekend was seeing Kronk on on some on some uh, folks there, you know, Sugar Hill is with that uh, Ergashev. Uh, that guy just looks real real scary. How did that card do? I think they did okay. I mean, once again, they scaled it uh, up in New York there at Turning Stone. They got a real good program as far as selling seats. It's one of those old school kind of casino styles where the casino. I believe the casino, and I've dealt with them extensively before, they give the promoters a real good deal. They have a real good program because ultimately they do find people that show up for the fights the night of. They don't have to buy them early, but they'll get a good walk-up. And those people ultimately, they go out to dinner, they spend money gambling, and the place does good. I mean, they certainly didn't sell it out, but it's, I mean, I know Steve's been there. It's a great room. It's a really cool casino. And I think they did pretty good with it overall. I know they're they're very, very pro-boxing, and certainly being, you know, 30 miles from the Boxing Hall of Fame doesn't hurt. Jim Boone of KO Tickets joins us right now on the next round. Jim, looking ahead, you mentioned Las Vegas, and it got me thinking. I think there's a very good chance, I believe, sometime in mid to late April, that Terrence Crawford could be facing WBO welterweight champion Jeff Horn. Vegas has been mentioned. Now, you've said for a while, Omaha, you think, does well. They will travel to Vegas once again? Yeah, I mean, if you look at his last fight in Vegas against Postal, it's, you know, listen, they uh, scaled MGM, top-ranked did, for the lower level, which is 7,700 seats, and it was 95%, 90% sold out. And I know I've mentioned it before on the air, keep in mind that was the weekend when Southwest went down. So all the direct right. flights out, remember Steve, you were affected by it, all the direct yes, flights I had to drive out in. of, I mean, those people could not travel, and that's, at the bar, before the fight, after the fight, talking to people. I mean, I talked to so many people that literally did the drive to Denver because that was their only alternative. It was either drive to Vegas or drive to Denver and catch and catch a flight in, and so many people did. It just shows the support he has from Nebraska, and they've done such a masterful job marketing him. I think his next fight, I think every fight moving forward, he is just becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, and this guy can sell tickets like, like no other. So I think it's going to be a monster, a monster event for him. Jim, my final question for you is this. To me, I I think no matter what Oscar De La Hoya says, I think Canelo-Golovkin rematch is going to happen. It'll be May 5th. Odds are it will be in Las Vegas again. Will it be any easier for Joe Public to get tickets this time around for that fight? Let's hope so. I mean, all they have to do is sell them. 
you know, Golden Boy does some big deals with guys that, you know, I can't really talk about on air. I, I'm privy to, but I don't understand some of the seats that they sell out. It's like, let the public have those. It's not, it's, it's, it's unnecessary. They're going to sell anyway. So allow the public to have access. And it's just, you know, Vegas gets the bad reputation that people don't have access to tickets. That's not necessarily a, a, a Vegas problem. It's a promoter problem about what they're going to release and what they're going to put on sale. So if they want to release the whole building, you know what's going to happen? Everybody will get a seat. And if they want to hold everything back and play games, you know, it, it's, just, it's just not necessary for their business model. And, I, you know, let's hope the fight gets done. I mean, it, the longer it takes, the more skeptical I am. I mean, it was a little bizarre this week that it was done, that it wasn't done, then they're close, now we're not close at all. So I guess until you hear from Tom, I wouldn't, I mean, it just, I mean, who knows exactly what is going on. Hmm. Gabe? Did you, uh, March 17th, did you think Jose Ramirez, Amira Mom, is that the right placement at the Garden? You know, the kids are doing I, I so well at home. It's it, it, well, they're doing it at the theater, so it's only, it's only 5,500 seats. And I believe they're doing that because, and I actually think Steve was the one who told me this, they want to kind of do a swan song reunion between Aram and Don King in New York. So Correct. they're going to do a huge, a huge publicly, you know, the, the public perception of the two, you know, greatest promoters of the modern era being there, going head to head. I think it's going to make for great TV. Obviously, ESPN is going to be right behind it, and they're already building the card. Listen, Conlon is going to sell. Conlon will sell the place out almost by himself anyway. So I think they do this. Hopefully, Ramirez. You know, I'm a, I'm a Ramirez fan. Hopefully, he wins, and then he'll come back to Northern California with the belt, and they'll do a monster summer or spring show there with him. Yeah, and also the two Puerto Rican guys, specifically Christer, Christopher Petufo Diaz, and uh, remember this guy, Felix Verdejo? Uh, they'll move a few seats. So, <laughs> no, I you know, trust me, I think that fight will be okay. Jim, listen, are you going to be in town next week? What are your plans? Are you even coming in for this forum card, or you got other plans? I, um, I, I'm pretty much locked up right now through the end of the month with the Super Bowl. So, obviously, everything went crazy today with uh, the Vikings and that incredible uh, final play. But um, I will be traveling, and um, basically I'm on full-time Super Bowl until uh, until the Monday after the game. But obviously I'll be here at the office in between. But I will be on the road, unfortunately. I'll be uh, down in New Orleans next weekend, which should be not a lot of unhappy, a lot of unhappy people, to say the least. Yeah, so Jim, if someone wants to reach you with a question or uh, just trying to check up on what you have in stock, how can they get in touch with you? Give me a call anytime. The number is 1-800-283-8699. And if you look it up on Twitter, at uh, KO Tickets, it has all the company information, a link to the website, email, all that stuff. Hit me up anytime. I work uh, seven days a week, and I'm always, always happy to talk to fight fans. All right, Jim, as always, thank you. Gentlemen, thank you very much. And Thanks, that was man. Jim Bone of KO Tickets. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of shows, but – I don't get the sense a lot of them are selling out all that well or doing very well at the gate, but hopefully these cards will have a good walk-up. A couple of questions here. Evan Young hits us with a spate of tweets. Evan Young says, I think Sophie Ann Mathis would knock out Clarissa. She knocked out Hamer, but it was ruled a foul. Also, Hmm. he says... Down here, uh, a reckless Fortuna can land a fight-changing bomb. He's short but awkward and very quick and reflexive. He may pull a shocker, and he says, I think Spence Peterson could be grueling. He won't get dusted like he did with Matisse, 
I like Spence, but Peterson will go rounds and be very tough. And then Evan finally wraps it up. Yeah, that was a bad look for Manny Pacquiao fighting against uh, Mayweather, he's saying. And I've always liked him. He knew he was cashing out for at least the fifth, least physically damaging, even in a loss, 12 rounds of his career. Fight was six years too late anyway. Everyone knew it, including Floyd. Gabe, let's get back to the phone lines. That's fair. And <laughs> Evan, you're going to force me to watch Clarissa Shields. That's all you're doing. <laughs> I wasn't going to watch the fight. Now i got to watch to see if she's improved or not. Uh, or <laughs> see what you're doing. You're making a female boxing fan. 619, you're live next round. Hey, guys. It's Juan San Diego. How are you guys doing? Good. What's going What's on? What's up, man? Happy New Year, guys. I uh, just had a couple Happy of questions. Uh, thank you. Uh, first off, do you have any idea of who's um, who's uh, what are they putting out as a third fight for the Superfly show? Any rumors? Uh, I've heard a few heard names. Of... Tom's been mum, so I don't know if there's much to choose from at this point, to be honest with you. But I, I do expect an announcement to be made this week. Yeah, I'm looking to to drive up there. It's a little bit farther than StubHub, but it sounds like like a good card, the main event's pretty good. Um, and second, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, Terrence Crawford. Is I've heard the rumors that he might be fighting Jeff Horn. I also heard people talking about him possibly, uh, you know, fighting, a, uh, you know, a bigger fighter like Errol Spence. I don't see that happening just based on promotional, pro, you know, promotional uh, issues. Whoever says that that's going to happen, I don't see how it's going to happen. I just think that. Uh, Errol Spence will probably sit down the rest of the year once he gets done with Lamont Peterson, uh, just like he did last year. Too bad because I like that fighter. The only reason I'm going to be watching that fight this Saturday is because of him. I've never been big on Lamont, and especially when you fight once a year, it's not, you know, you're not sharp. You're not going to be good enough. He's going to probably get blown away. So uh, what do you guys think about Terrence Crawford? What are his options other than Jeff Horn? Well, I think Jeff Horn's the next fight. He's the WBO mandatory challenger. Um, Bob Arum's made it very clear to me that's the next fight. Now, after that, I have no clue, to be honest with you. I really don't. Yeah, his options seem very limited. You know, and that's what kind of concerns me. He's just, just such a great talent. Well, but the, the beauty of it, though, is that he'll be, you know, on ESPN winning that title, and if it's a spectacular win... You know, he's a guy that you know blows out a guy that beat Manny Pacquiao. There's there's a little bit there. Maybe Pacquiao comes back. They do that fight on ESPN. He's got those kind of options. Um, True. You know, so and he'd be you know being seen on a, a larger platform than those other guys potentially. The question uh, is, Gabe. Let's say that Bob, if he had his druthers, wants to make Crawford Pacquiao for the second half of this year. Can they convince Manny Pacquiao and Mike Cons and Freddie Roach to do that fight at this particular time? Uh, my guess would be probably not. I'd agree but with that. That. that would probably, yeah, that would probably be the only option for both fighters to make, really make money. I really like Terrence Crawford. He's probably one of my top favorites right now. The last his last fight on ESPN was spectacular. I love the way he took care of business. And and I just think that that guy, you know, he's a he's a, a gold mine that can be exploded. But I I I don't think right now I don't see the path. I don't see the path through that. So hopefully he gets some good fights down the road. That's all I got for you guys. Thank you. All right, Juan. Well, thank you very much. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, who's next? 
I believe in the in the Heyman universe at welterweight that Errol Spence is the guy that would would you know if he picked up WBC from from Thurman and you know BA uh, and Terence Crawford was the the guy holding the WBO I think he'd want to make that fight and I think he'd be capable of getting it done. Two zero nine, you're live on the next round. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. What's up? Well, hey, hey um. Um, I read you guys' article. I actually I read your article about the fights coming up, and uh, it, it really gives me something to look forward to, uh, especially uh, the first quarter of the year. Um, but, but it seems like with the guy from Showtime, it seems like they're just picking a name at random, <laughs> you know, because yeah. the reason I say that. <laughs> it's, you know, because guys don't fight too often, you know. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Errol Spence, uh, but at the same time, maybe in a month from now, two months, three months, four months, I'll forget about them. Um, these guys from PVC, man, you know, I'm sure they're making enough money to cover the whole year, but, you know, how relevant are they? You know, I... Hey, you know, Showtime uh, is, is yeah. bringing you uh, Devin Haney uh, Friday, February 2nd uh, from I, the Winnebago Casino in Sloan, Iowa, I believe. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Evan but, in Vegas. Okay. <laughs> But anyways, I'm going to make this quick. Uh, I, I, um, you guys are doing an excellent job, and, and I'm just going to listen to you guys uh, on the phone. All right. Thank um, you very much. 347-215-7598. Gabe, who's next? 209. You're live on the next round. Hello. Hello, guys. This is Trini. How are you guys doing? Trini, what's, what's up? up? Not much. Just uh, listening to the show again, and uh, that's all. I just... Let's say hi. Right, I'm just listening. Thank you very much. Okay. Right. Thank you very much. And that was the weekly check-in from Trini. Yeah. Uh, unlisted number. You're live on the next round. Unlisted number. All right. Now, let's go to uh, 805. You're live on the next round. Ooh. 805. Hey, what's up, guys? It's me, Nacho. Nacho, hey, what's, what's up, going Nacho? on? Uh, not much. Um... As uh, far as the fights this weekend, Steve, uh, I got to agree with you. I didn't really care much to see Clarissa Shields fight because she's just not entertaining uh, in any way whatsoever. I think she just doesn't really offer much as far as, like, uh, action and, like, uh, personality. Her personality just seems really dull and really stale, to say the least. And so hmm. it just makes it really hard to watch her. And and then these opponents that they keep coming up with, it's like, wow, like, are they really that desperate to find somebody to fight this girl? So, it's slim pickings. I mean, exactly. Pickens. The girl that, uh, that uh, Marlena Sparza fought on a Golden oh. Boy card. And she looked yeah, like Wednesday, Wednesday Adams, you know? It was and like, it's nothing new. Listen, when Layla Ali fought, she fought a soft, soft, I mean, Charmin soft group of ladies. Yes, she did. Yeah. That's one of the most built-up careers I can recall. It was like female butterbean in terms of matchmaking. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it's yeah. tough. You know, I mean, and, and you know, at the top level, it can be, you know, great. I mean, Ronda Rousey was taken out by an ex-female you know, boxer. Uh and, and and who used your boxing skills to get that done? I'm not denigrating the, the sport. It's just it, it isn't as deep as, as the men's. I just don't 
it's just never been my jam, you know. Uh, I haven't seen the fight, but that seems to be the consensus. I mean, uh, there are some people that talked about her, like Cliff Rold uh, said she's getting better but still flawed and, you know, only in her fifth fight. Uh, Dave Duenas said the same thing, kind of, you know, needs to work on her footwork and, and uh, kind of headhunts a little bit. Uh, I haven't seen the fight. Yeah, so I agree with what Dave said. She definitely headhunts way too much, and she doesn't invest into the body. Uh, very, she invests very little, and also she mm-hmm. fights too, too amateurish. Like she moves around too much and doesn't sit down on her punches. Mm-hmm. So it makes it kind of tough to watch her because she's just not willing to sit down and actually throw with some conviction. It's almost like she's so used to just moving around and throwing, moving around and throwing. So eventually they're going to have to get her to realize that she's got to sit down on her punches at some point. You just can't keep circling the ring and throwing jabs and right hands to the head and expect to uh, do any better. Um, as far as the other two fights, um, that Erga Chef guy, uh, I was pretty impressed by him, the way he took uh, Fredrickson apart. But I honestly think Erga Chef took that kid, uh, his mental uh, – away the, the day before at the weigh-in because he intimidated the hell out of him. You could tell, like, Fredrickson didn't look like he was uh, all that uh, excited at the prospect of fighting this guy after what happened at the weigh-in. He looked like he was a scared scared fighter, and it looked like it in the fight, too, because as soon as Ergashev started uh, walking him down and started hitting him, he just he fell apart. And it was well, pretty dude, sad to he, see the kid fall apart. He yells. Like, if you watch... All his fights, like, you know, uh, he, he yells Uzbekistan, like when they're introducing him and he does this crazy thing with his arms and like kind of tapping his gloves. He's a personality, kind of a little Valero-esque to me, like hyper-aggressive dude that wants to get it on and wants to knock you out. And he, he likes to get you on the end of his punches, real long straight punches. Uh, and he's all about that power left hand. I really, I, I was like... Okay, uh, somebody uh, tweeted at us, like, who do you want to watch and, uh, you know, more than any other fighter right now? And I'm like, that guy. I want to see that guy next fight. Uh, Fredrickson yeah. Ergashev was prospect versus suspect. It's the best, <laughs> shortest way I could put it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and the other fight was entertaining, too. I thought Hernandez. I thought Hernandez did what he had to. But Garza was tough, and he took some some punishment, and he fought back. But I just thought Hernandez was just a better prospect out of the two. Um, and, and as far as the uh, the fight this weekend, um, I'm picking Spence to beat Peterson in about nine. I think it'll be competitive for about the first six, seven rounds. Then eventually, I think Peterson gives way to Spence's uh, body shots. And him hitting him, uh, you know, more and more and eventually breaking him down and stopping him. And in the other fight, you know what? Robert Easter is a, a freak as far as his ability to make 135 at his height. But I'm just not all that convinced he's that great of a fighter. I mean, his two defenses have been very suspect, to say the least. He fought Did a he kind of Paul Williams? guy. Mm, no, because I think Paul activity. Yeah, exactly. Gabe, he doesn't have um, the ability to throw a thousand punches. He really doesn't. He just doesn't have that motor. Paul Williams yeah, has a great motor. Jeez, yeah, yeah, he's real calculated about 
He's real calculated about when he throws and how much he throws. He's nowhere near the volume guy that Williams was. I just think because of the two defenses he's made against Cruz and Shavikov, I'm just not convinced that he's just going to blow uh, Fortuna out of the water. I think it ends up being kind of an ugly fight, but I think uh, mm. Easter does enough. I think Easter does enough to win that fight by decision. So uh, that's about. And then real quick before uh, I, I get off, guys, did you hear about the kid uh, Rosa that died yesterday? Yes, we did. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another another dude taken too young. So. Uh, I don't get these guys like, you, what are you doing out at three in the morning when you should be, you know, at home? That that's my, that's the thing I don't understand about. Yeah, about I mean, these uh, guys. nothing good happens after midnight, right? Like you, my dad used to say. Uh, I, I beg to differ on many more occasions than not, but but still, you're a professional fighter. You know, you should be Spartan. You should be, you know. Uh, suffering now so you can live like a king later and you know but i don't want to blame him for it you know it's just it's just an all uh, just a shame uh you know all right yeah. nacho thank you for the call right. three four Thanks. seven two one five seven five nine eight uh gabe who's next uh five eight five you're live on the next round hey guys it's jake from rochester jake what's up hey what's up <clears throat> i just uh a couple things uh first off the guy that Rob, the guy Robbie that calls in ringside Robbie, you know, he sounds. I, I pinpointed it. I know this may sound absurd, but he sounds exactly like the sheriff of Nottingham from the animated version of uh, Robin Hood that Disney did. <laughs> I, I just wanted to point that out. Never thought, couldn't tell you. I I need to go uh, back well, now. <laughs> Thank you for that. It, yeah, I, I I don't know how I nailed it, but it, it's true. But anyway, um, <laughs> secondly, um, with, with regards to Al Hammond's business practices, you guys were talking about. You know, it, it seems he only he does abide by like that. You know, protect your fighter, make them as much money as possible, but like until it messes with his bottom line, it seems, you know, because, you know, you take the case of not only Alvarez, but, you know, uh, Peter Quillen, like how much, from what I understand, he, what did he get, like $500,000 to drop his belt and, and forego a, you know, over a million dollar payday that he never deserved? You know, how much money did he lose in the long run from not having his belt as leverage in negotiations for fights? I mean, he was only avoiding a, a fight with Matt Korbov, a fight he probably would have won. I mean, not even talking about, you know, the Lamont Brewster <coughs> situation where, you know, he put him in the ring with Vlad Klitschko and he had a badly damaged left eye. And, you know, I, I know it, it's, it's, it, it was even much more damaged in that fight and it essentially ruined his career. I think he's legally blind in his left eye now, but, you know, just just things like that. Just when when his bottom line is challenged or his goals in the sport are challenged, he he definitely doesn't have his fighter's best interest in mind. They're all hmm. pawns in this chessboard. <laughs> all these guys talking about being their own boss and we have a say. They have no say. It's the truth. 
Last I saw Lamont, I don't know, was uh, he was still training guys in the in the Fortune Gym down in Hollywood, and I think he was working on like a database, like helping people do like matchmaking for sparring or something. But he's in you know good spirits. I mean, the eye is damaged, no doubt, you know. But he's not the only damaged eye I've met in boxing. I can't blame you know that solely on Al. Maybe one last payday. Some, I've seen people do that in the sport, you know, and not just Al. Um, I don't know. You know, it's it's uh, like I said. You point out one guy, you, know, you have to kind of look at the whole thing. Why does it operate that way? Well, I mean, I, anything I, else? You Jake? can't blame. You can, no, that? I mean, I agree. Like, you, I agree that you can't blame. You know, everything on Al Heyman in those situations. I mean, ultimately, the fighters decided what they wanted to do. But it just—I I, don't—I don't know. It doesn't sound like. Peter Quillen was given the best advice for his career in that situation. I don't know what kind of advice Al Heyman gave Agreed. Uh, Lamont Brewster, but if yeah, if, if I was if I was Lamont if I was his advisor, I would I would strongly tell him not to take a fight that could you know blind him. But um, anyway, um, Steve, I saw you tweet lastly um, about uh, you, you wouldn't be surprised to see Lomachenko move up to one thirty five. Is there anything you've heard regarding that or, or his perspective? About I'm just going to say it again. It would not surprise me if he moved up to 135. Let's would just it, leave it at be, that. Do you think he – okay. I mean, do you think he'd be fighting for the vacant title against um, Beltran? Yeah. Well, Beltran is with top rank. Top rank's closely associated with the WBO. So you could put two and two together there, Jake. <laughs> Uh, thanks, Steve and Gabe. All right, Jake. Thank you for the call, uh, Gabe. Real quickly here, Joseph Diaz will be making his 2018 debut on the Golden Boy on ESPN2 card from Fantasy Springs. Okay, here's how you do it. Diaz is the number one contender. The BC has said to both him and Gary Russell, "You guys can each have an optional defense," but then afterwards. You have to fight each other, or Russell has to defend if he wants to keep that title against Joseph Diaz. Diaz has made it very clear. After this fight with Victor Terrazas, I want that title shot. That's how you act like a fighter. That's how it should be. Right yeah. there. That's why I have no sympathy for Alir Alvarez or Yvonne Michel or any of those other guys on that side of the fence. No, guys like that create excitement in the game. You know, uh, That hunger is, is the lifeblood of the sport. Guys wanting to move up, wanting to improve, wanting to fight the best, wanting to be the best, you know? Uh, no, nah, I like Joseph Diaz. He's an all-fighter. He you know, may not have the finishing kick, uh, but he's got the technical prowess. I think that's a, a real tough fight for, for both guys. Uh, either guys, you know, could win it. Uh, we'll see, you know, what Gary is. I, I thought, you know, the first time I saw Gary, I was like, that is a special fighter. There's just no question. The way he uh, – it's, it's just – he's got all of it. The, the, his technique, his balance – uh, all the combination punching um, took his hands a little bit of time to, I think, to get used to the game. Uh, but then all of a sudden just inactivity and, and, you know, where is that career? Where's that drive from that guy? Uh, I don't get Fought it. All of one time in 2017 and final note, February 24th, it's been announced from the world boxing super series in Germany. Jurgen Brommer takes on Calum Smith in the semifinals of the super middleweight bracket. And uh, Gabe, we're in the mid January now, it's clear the semifinals at least of the WBSS 
will not be on American television in terms of a major network, which I think is a shame. If you want to call yes. in, 347-215-7598. We have 17 minutes remaining. you got uh, Usyk Bredis in uh, Latvia as well, uh, the Meldonian capital of the world. 510, <laughs> you're live on the next round. Hey, Gabe. Hey, 510. How are you guys doing? Good. What's going on? What's up, man? Not much, dude. Happy New Year, man. You just calling last week. Um, oh, and also uh, a peaceful Martin Luther King Day to you guys also, man. Uh, peace to everybody. It was. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. That's what we need today in this world we're living in, man. We need more uh, Martin Luther King and not Trump, man. But uh, uh, another thing, too, I, I really enjoyed the podcast that Steve had with uh, – Mario Lopez last week. Um, I used to be a, I was a Max Boxing member from like 2001 to uh, I think 2007. And, Jeez, uh, really thank you. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed wow. it, man. Yeah, uh, like honestly, like I don't know if people remember the 90s, but there was like really no boxing covers back then. I was like a teenager back then, and I, even though I loved boxing, it wasn't there was like really no way to really get into it, right? And then the internet showed up, yeah. and like uh, Max Boxing kind of like uh, took my. Uh, Boxing uh, fanaticism to another whole different level, you know, and uh, and, and I, I, I remember I used to pay like fifty dollars a year for it. And I only got one T-shirt the whole time, man. And it was like one size too small, man. I was like, damn, uh, what happened? Don't know what to tell you. <laughs> wasn't my that wasn't my role on that website. Well, Fernando, let's talk boxing. What's going on? All right, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, uh, All right, my, my question. Geez. My question is, is as good as 2017 was. Is 2018 shaping up to be even better? Huh. I think so. It, it feels like it. There's there's some great matchups early on, and some guys that are you know at least getting activity bout in. Uh, you were poised for for Canelo versus Triple G two, which I think is going to be a better fight than the first one. I think more chances are going to be taken in the second fight, uh, and 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 that's always a good thing. I, I think it's very possible. Plus, the heavyweight division just keeps getting better and better. It, it, Tyson Fury mm-hmm. gets his shit together and gets in the mix. That could be great. But just the fights that are on the table, Ortiz and Wilder uh, and, and Parker uh, versus Joshua, those are hell of great fights uh, that are probably going to end up in knockout. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's on its way to being even better. Sports incredibly I, I healthy have, right now. I think we have a bunch of, like, de facto tournaments going on, right? Like in heavyweight right now, we have, you know, four fighters, the top uh, four heavyweights besides Tyson Fury. Are going at it within the next uh, few weeks. We got the the light heavyweights going at it. We got the bantamweight. You know, it, it, it's a great time, man. And obviously, this first three months of uh, 2018 are better than anything we saw in 2016. You know, so like you can make, take this next few months apart. And I really enjoyed that. Also, thank you, Steve. I enjoyed your article on UCN Live today. You know, just like oh, got thank me you. more hype for yeah, got me more hype for the whole year too, man. That's probably why I'm so excited. But uh, and one last thing, you know, like. I've never really been a big fan of Al Heyman, but I know a lot of people like to dump, dump on him, including myself. But uh, when you see people like uh, Deontay Wilder taking on uh, the boogeyman of the, of the heavyweight division, Luis Ortiz, and you see uh, Errol Spence going to England last year to fight on uh, Brook, I wonder if we don't we shouldn't be blaming the actual boxers themselves more for not t- taking uh, control of their own careers and instead of blaming uh, Al Heyman. Al Heyman gives them the money, but they control their own careers, man. I think it's really on them. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Thank you for taking my phone call. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm not so sure. I mean, first of all, the Spence Brooks fight, <laughs> that was a mandatory. And I think Ortiz is kind of a mandatory, isn't he? 
Yeah, I think it's, you know, um, no, without, you know, I, I, I just don't, I don't really understand the game besides getting these guys paid and, and getting through with, with not that much risk or every once in a while there's risk, but the fights, there's no, hasn't been real combustion. Like somebody had tweeted to me, uh, it was like last week that well, there's been some amazing fights in the PBC. And I was like, amazing. Like which, which fights were amazing. And the guy was like, you know, I can't think of any off the top of my head. And I'm like, then they weren't amazing. I remember when Thurman Porter, remember when the pom-pom waivers tried to tell you that was a great fight? Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it wasn't memorable. And anyway, I mean, by their standards, you know. it was Leonard Hearns, yeah, <laughs> but that's kind of a lowered bar. Uh, for the record, Louis Ortiz is number three in the WBC, so just to clarify that. Uh, 347-215-7598. Gabe, who's next? Um, let's go to Jimmy's Corner. 978, you're live on the next round. Guys, how you doing, Jimmy? gentlemen? How you doing? Good. Hey, Steve, What's up, man? Great, uh, nothing much, guys. Steve, great article today, brother. First oh, off. thank you, thank you. Glad great, you enjoyed great, it. Great piece. Um, hey, listen, let me give you my completely uneducated opinion on Al Heyman. Gabe, you hit it on the head early when you talked about Bobby. From what I've been reading, during my convalescence, I read a lot. I was like, what drives this dude? Everything I can read, I guess he was furious on how his brother Bobby was treated. So whether that was his driving force behind, like he thought he was going to be able to take care of these fighters that nobody's looking out for, like being used... And I think a lot of it's hubris. He was a shock in the music industry, which is completely different. It's already established. They take insiders. As you guys know, boxing is one of those things, man. It's a, it's a grassroots thing. It starts in the sweat in the gym. You learn it from the fucking shit shows. This guy stepped in, had fucking took, took Floyd Mayweather off of Adam's shoulders. Oh, thank you. Carries him all the way to the fucking dance. Goes, hey, I'll open the door. And bang, he's involved. He's the lawyer for the biggest fight ever. Now, here's the model, okay? His, now, this is my experience to boxing, which he, for 10 years prior, said he wanted to take over, which is on record from an HBO executive. But um, now, the, his fighters today, a lot of his champions and his signees, how old were they when Floyd was, you know, fucking money man, and it was all about making it rain? These kids are all who are champions now. We're all 15, 16, the way we were, you know, fucking impressional. And it's, it's not a mistake. It's cultural, too. There's a reason 98% of his stable is African-American, who all prided, wanted to emulate Floyd. And not saying it's wrong. I'm not shitting on it. That was where it was at. The money was always based about the money. He saw that. He captured the feeling of it. He got this hedge fund, which I know is going to bite him in his ass because I read a lot about that. There's people pissed that they give that fucking guy a half a billion plus for, without any due diligence And then they hired the dude who okayed the fucking borrow There's a lot of people But anyways, that's neither here nor there So he paid all these guys big money in the beginning Here, fucking million dollars Way overpaid them We all know why he did it And let's, let's, let's establish let's, let's not forget this Because you know everybody looks through history with rose-colored glasses That cocksucker worked with nobody Nobody He didn't want to fucking The fights were put anywhere Because that was irrelevant You know what I mean? It didn't matter He was just trying to suck up all the time spots Fucking saturate the fucking with just shit. Didn't matter. He wanted to suffocate everybody where they will all become Lou DeBellas and saying, okay, we'll work for you. It failed. And only when it failed and the coffers were dry did he say, and his fighters are blowing his fucking thing off going, hey, it was those million dollar paydays. There was no more money. So he has to now depend on other fucking promotional outfits 
Look at all his fights coming up. If they're in-house, I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it's showtime licensing fees. There's no other money coming in. It's just – I just don't think he came in. And then you know what? And another thing, because he doesn't do interviews, which – in itself is disgusting. How do you borrow a half a billion dollars from a publicly traded company and refuse? Because he doesn't normally do interviews with the boxing world. He does no interviews in the financial world. And a lot of big financial people have tried to reach him to find out what was going on in that. Of course, it's a big story. Won't talk to anybody. doesn't put him in the best light. And before I go, the one thing I'll never get past, I'm the kind of dude, dude, I don't give a fuck what you do. As long as you don't hurt children or elderly, I'm going to stand by you if you're my boy. And a fucking my boy, one of my boys is fucking doing dope with the problems. I mean, everybody knows Oscar's issues. You want to fucking snake him, whatever. But when you do it, when a man is at his lowest point, and then you see him, he's going in a fight. He saw it. He saw where that was going. He waits till he's in fucking rehab, or just comes out and sandbags him, and tries to take his company. It's just a fucking. He just doesn't seem like he has anything going for him in the way he's still doing business shows he has no clue spence should have fought four months after fine you want to make one million once a year or do you want to do it right like the way fucking g did it take smaller fees take the fights you probably shouldn't have taken but just keep your name active because it's a brand this is the fucking internet society dude you know what i mean you're a kid it ain't gone today people forget about you you can't Conduct a career like that because you know why? There's not always a fucking Waddle and Reed to pay that big money. But anyways, guys, that took everything out of me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jimmy, guys, do you give? You, yes. Jimmy, quick question about yes, the upcoming sure. fights. Does Lamont Peterson yep. is he competitive at all? No, not at all. Not at all. I think mm. I, I think I think Spence is going to walk right through him. I think Spence is too big. I think Spence is shot. I and, and then it doesn't. That Spence's um, Peterson style of fight is a is Salido-ish in a way, and you need to fight a lot. You can't be rusty with that style. You know what I mean? You got to be able to, yeah. to react. It's it's all reactionary. When you're in tight, you know that it's all it's all movement. It's a fucking rhythmic dance. And if you're gonna fight that style and fight infrequently, you're gonna lose that extra. And then you know in boxing, that split second boom. And I think Spence is gonna fucking rock his world. And this should have been happening in Dallas. The fact that he was tweeting out, I want to fight in Dallas, because he has a big fucking fan base there following through the images. That's where that fight should be happening. That's how you build a brand, because then your name itself is a brand. Right now, they're all fucking a bunch of no-name fighters hanging off Al's tit, waiting for that big payday that's not going to come. So it's in free fall, and it's just showtime now. It's going to scoop it up. I just hope Spence... And I don't know how true this is. I heard, I forget even where I heard or read it, that he owns property or owns homes on the Heyman LLC that a lot of fighters are living in. I don't know how true that is. Yeah, that, that's the rumor that Don King... Oh, so you heard... Right. Oh, no, that's kind of well known. That Don King used to hand over guys suitcases or duffel bags full of cash. Heyman reels them in by basically buying them their homes. Excellent. So no, what I meant by rumor, I mean, it wasn't a rumor. If you heard it too, then it must have some legs. Yeah, so that's, it wasn't just trust me, okay. that, that's been all brandied right. about in the business. Okay, excellent. So, all right, because I just hate you know, throwing shit out there. But, uh, no, I don't have no interest in that. And, and Garcia, he's one of the biggest Kool-Aid drinkers. Does he really think? And, by the way, Gene, <laughs> I mean, seriously, really? And Boone, hey, I got to tell you, Boone coming on the show, that was brilliant. Guy's such, he's just such a good, interesting dude. And he, and he puts everything in perspective and telling you the price. Garcia fighting Rios. And Rios, you got to love the kid. You know, he's a true gym rat warrior. But it's three, four years to the date. Yes, 
Yeah. I'm sorry. What? Oh, I'm no, sorry. yeah. My phone's checking out. But uh, so it that's he's a fucking Garcia is a jerk off, and I mean they stifled his father, which. I'm not a PC guy. I don't give a shit. I, I believe in freedom of speech. Say whatever the fuck you want. That kind of sucks because that's one of the only good things about that meathead fighting is I'm going to see what his idiot father's going to say. But <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, anyways, gentlemen, I know you're up against it. You've got other callers waiting. Thank you again for taking my call. And, you know, great show as always. All right. Thank you very much. And that was uh, like, Jimmy Corner checking in. He's back. Uh, Gabe, we got five minutes. Who's next? Uh, I think the world can live without Angel Garcia having free speech at a press <laughs> uh, <laughs> Unlisted number. Uh, you're live on the next round. Evening, Steve is... Evening. Can you hear me? Hey. Yes, yes. what's up? Yeah, how's it going? Yeah, I just wanted to know what are the truths on the Amir Khan and Adrian Broner? Was that just a rumor or is that true? Uh, I don't know if it's, it's the truth or rumor. I do know this. Omar Figueroa and his trainer, who I saw last week in Indio, they seem to think they're in line for Adrian Broner. So I don't mm. know where that goes. I mean, I heard about the rumor. I mean, Broner, Khan, it, you know, it's one of those fights where you can at least recognize both names. I don't know how much of a fight it is or what version of Amir Khan exists at this point. You know, it's one of those fights, if it happens, I'd say – Good, it happens. I have, I have no feeling either way over it. Yeah, I don't think it'll be happening next. If it happens, it'll probably be the fight after next. Also, uh, I wanted to know, do you think the Nonito Dene and Carl Frampton fight has been overshadowed by the Scott Twig and uh, Oscar Valdez fight? Um, Gabe, I think the news came this past weekend for the time being. It got overshadowed, but I, I think, you know, one fight's March 10th, the other one's April 21st. I think both fights will have plenty of spotlight shown on it. What about Dene? Yeah. Has he fought since that fight with uh, Jesse Magdaleno? He, he did. He fought on one of the World Series of Boxing cards. He had a tune-up, so he hasn't been all that active, but he hasn't been completely dormant either. Okay, all right. And one last thing before I go, because I could tell you guys a thing. I think the Spence-Peterson <laughs> fight, I think maybe Spence will be too big and too young for him. I'll say one this one thing. I, I expect Spence to knock him out in between the six to eight rounds. If it goes really late, I think it could get interesting. I think uh, I rewatched the Brook and Spence fight. I think Spence still has got some technical flaws. I think he's still got some stuff to learn. But I think the inactivity will hurt Peterson. So I think Spence will probably stop him in between eight rounds. Okay, thank you very much. I hope Lamont Peterson, who's been one of my personal favorites, I hope he has one last good one in him. One last good one. Let's see if he could test Spence. Gabe, let's take one more call. We have about 90 seconds. Uh, All right, another unlisted number. You're live on the next round. Or not. Or not. Uh, you know, let's gonna, just wrap it up then. Uh, I wanted to ask yeah. you, uh, are you going to write a piece about uh, the gym that you went to uh, last week in India? Was that Lee Espinosa's uh, yeah, gym? Yeah, I mean, or it'll be part thing? of my story. Actually, the Joel Diaz gym, and you know I love that guy, is is part you of do. the <laughs> Indio Boys and Girls Club. It's, it's a very colorful gym. It has two rings, and Omar Figueroa's there. By the way, when you watch Virgil Ortiz on the mitts, and again, the mitts don't hit back, you just say to yourself, this kid might have it. I, I like Virgil Ortiz nice. a lot. A lot. Yeah, and by the way, uh, what, we'll talk about this more next week. 
Lucas Matisse looks very strong physically. His legs look very, very stout. Um, again, he's facing a relatively unknown Thai fighter with a big record. Those guys can go up or down. But Matisse physically, I thought, looked very good last week. So yeah, we'll see what I he has left to get in the tank. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, well, that's it for this week's show. I want to thank everyone that joined us, including our special guest, Jim Boone, on behalf of David Duenas and the rest of the Leave It in the Ring radio network for Gabriel Montoya. This is Steve Kim saying goodbye, everybody.